Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to day 57 of Hyaku Monogatari Kaidan Kai. 100 days, 100 supernatural stories. Today is a bit of a transition from the local and personal stories from last week to those based in native cultures that are coming up this week. It's my retelling of a famous Japanese folktale called The Sparrows Inn. Once Japan opened to the West, Japanese art and literature spread to Europe and the Americas, and many Westerners translated this story, including the renowned chronicler of Japan and Japanese culture, Lovkario Hearn. I loved this story when my children were little and read it to them every night for about a month. No, they asked for the story, I swear. <laughs> I didn't force it on them. They're grown up now, and I came across my version of the story while going through some old computer files. I couldn't wait to share it with you all. Here is my version of Shitakiri Suzume, The Sparrow's Inn. In ancient Japan, a woman combed the forest for wood. The winter was wickedly cold already, and she needed fuel to keep her husband happy and warm. Reaching for a fallen branch, something fluttering in the dry leaves caught her eye. A wounded sparrow dragged a broken wing along the forest floor, its weight disturbing leaves and releasing pockets of musty air that hinted of death. The woman dropped the wood she'd collected, gently wrapped the bird in her coat, and carried it home to mend its injured wing. Her husband, though, was not pleased. "'Where's the wood for our fire?' he demanded. "'And what are we to do with this bird?' "'Don't worry. I'll go back out to fetch the wood, "'and this poor little thing won't be a bother at all,' she assured him. "'Besides, perhaps she'll entertain you when you come home from work. "'Wouldn't it be nice to have some bright, joyful music "'after being in the mines all day?' <laughs> he grunted as he gobbled up the rice and miso soup his wife had placed before him. The woman set out a small plate of rice for the bird, which it ate with a grace that surprised her. Look, dear, she's eating like she's at a royal dinner. What would you know of a royal dinner? I'm just saying. The woman carefully massaged the bird's bruised wing and wrapped it with a strip of cotton she had cut from a yukata that she had worn thin. When her husband was away, 
She talked to her little companion, told it about the child they had lost, the hard life she and her husband led since a tree branch had fallen on his leg, and how her husband is not really as gruff as he pretended to be. The woman admired the bird's gentle and refined way of eating and named it Ochan in honor of the emperor. Each day the woman went deeper into the forest in search of food and wood. She made certain to always arrive home before her husband so as to have the hut warm and his dinner prepared. But one day, when he stayed home because of his aching leg, she asked him to feed Ochan while she was out, pointing to a few grains of rice she had set aside for the bird. The problem was Ochan often drank broth from the woman's bowl, so when the man found the bird drinking from his bowl, all the jealousy he had suppressed at his wife's affection for the little creature rose up. He grabbed Ochan, spilling the broth in the process. "'You little thief!' he yelled, squeezing his fist tight against the small body. Ochan stabbed at his hand with her beak, and in a fit of rage, the man cut out her tongue with a nearby knife. "'Now get out! Get out!' Ochan flew away. That night, tears mixed with the broth the woman served her husband. She buried her face in the small bed where Ochan had slept, breathing in the familiar scent of the little bird who had abandoned her, for her husband had told her that Ochan was lonely for her own kind and followed a flock of sparrows that had flown by. But the woman worried that winter had so wormed and twined its icy fingers through the forest and wrapped its winter cold around their village, that Ochan would never survive. So the next morning, as she scoured the forest for wood, she called, Ochan! Ochan! Come back! She went deeper into the forest than ever before. The cedar trees were so thick that sunlight fell like freckles on the forest floor. Soggy moss clung to every rock, stump, and inch of earth, muffling her footsteps. Strips of shredded bark hung from gnarled branches, casting shadows in the weak sun that were like claws reaching for her. She turned to make her way back the way she'd come, but no path led her through the dense grove. She stepped in the direction she was sure she'd come from, a branch dropped from a tree, blocking her way. A crack behind her, she spun around, arms up, ready to fend off whatever was there. Nothing. She cocked her head, certain she heard giggling. In a freckle of sunshine, a pair of sparrows dressed in strawberry-red kimonos covered their beaks with speckled wings, like two shy girls at a party. They giggled again before waving for the woman to follow and hopping away. The birds led her to a thatched roof inn where thousands of kimono-clad sparrows sang like tinkling wind chimes. At the inn's entrance stood two elderly sparrows and Ochan, who wore a black kimono with gold and bronze blossoms. Ochan flew onto the woman's shoulder. She introduced the woman to her parents, who bowed low in thanks for saving their daughter. Food was brought out, and while they feasted on bread and flowers, nuts and seeds, and salads that tasted like they'd been delivered from heaven, a group of sparrows performed a dance that looked to the woman like corn popping in hot oil. 
She laughed and sang with Old Chan and her family well into the evening. When the party was over, she was guided to two bamboo chests, one large, one small. For your kindness, please choose one of these to take home, said Old Chan's father. Oh, no, thank you, the woman answered. I don't need any payment. If I may just take a little food for my husband, then I would be so grateful. But Old Chan's parents insisted. The woman chose the small chest, received a box of food for her husband, then said her goodbyes before being guided out of the forest. That night, she and her husband found piles of the finest silks and mounds of sparkling jewels when they opened the chest. You fool, the greedy husband scolded. Just imagine what the larger chest holds. You must take me there tomorrow to get what we deserve. This is more than we ever dreamed of. It's enough for you to quit the mine, and we could start a small restaurant like we always wanted. We saved the life of that ungrateful bird. We deserve the larger trunk, and you're going to take me there. For the first time in her life, the woman refused her husband's demand, but she did explain the way to him. The next day, when he arrived at the mossy forest, the two giggling sparrows greeted him. Welcome, welcome to, I'm here to see Ochan. They bowed and silently guided him to the inn. You must be tired, said Ochan, without a hint of a grudge for how she'd been treated by the man. Please have some tea and cake. You have your tongue, he said, before realizing he was bringing up a topic better left forgotten. Uh, I'm not here for tea and cake, he replied before Ochan could answer. As you wish? Why then are you visiting my family's inn? I've come for the large chest you owe my wife. Ah, it's the chest standing outside at the entranceway. You're welcome to it. The husband lifted the chest onto his back, bowed nearly in half by its weight, but excited about the treasures it held. He left without saying goodbye, stumbling behind the dainty birds that guided him out of the forest. As soon as he reached the edge of the forest, he could contain his excitement no longer. He opened the lid. A swarm of sparrows streamed from the chest and circled the man, beating at his face and pounding against his skull before forming themselves into the shape of an old hag that clawed the clothes from his body, then shifting yet again into a snake that twisted and writhed around his legs, tripping him. The teeming flock of birds created a roiling tableau of maniacal skeletons and one-eyed monsters that poked and prodded and stomped on the man while he curled into a ball on the ground. Then all grew quiet. The man lowered his hands from protecting his head. Before him stood Ochan. Not the sweet bird that his wife loved and who sang to them while they ate their dinner, but a fierce creature whose skin of living birds writhed and shifted to keep its shape. And this version was three times larger than he. Stand up. The man did as he was told. Have you nothing to say for yourself? Ochan asked. He stared at her, mouth agape. <laughs> I'm the one whose tongue was cut out. Yet you are the silent one. I was in pain. I was hungry. 
Do you think you are the only one in pain? The only one who is hungry? Do you think your pain is an excuse to hurt others? Ochan raised a wing and the birds again encircled him, swarming into tableau after tableau of starving peasants, lonely widows, homeless families freezing to death, daughters forced into prostitution, children beaten and abused, heinous murders and, Stop! I can't take it anymore! The giant Ochan stood before him again. Her black eyes, now the size of a sake cask, glared at him. You have a wife who gives up all to care for you. Food on your table, a home. She paused, then in a softer voice said, And a chest full of treasures. Yet that is not enough for you. It will be, I promise. Let me go and it will be enough. <laughs> Ochan's laughed bounced through the forest behind them, shaking a few branches loose and upsetting a nest of crows that flew off, calling angrily. Oh, it's too late for that. You open the chest and release so much pain and suffering into the world. It is, though, your pain and suffering. Ochan again waved a wing. The swarm of birds engulfed the man and settled on his shoulders. Tiny, almost insignificant birds that formed themselves into a tower the weight of which buckled his knees and hunched his back. He bent forward, taking the weight on his body and able to lift his head just enough to see a few feet in front of him, where Ochan, once again a single small bird, stood in her black kimono. You have a choice. Her voice was song-like, her words like notes that floated about his head before organizing into understandable ideas. The pain and suffering you carry can crush you, kill you after a short, miserable life. She flew closer. He gasped, shocked at his miserable, hateful face that was reflected in her black eyes. Or, with each act of kindness, some of your pain will return to the chest. It's your choice. She flew away. So, what did the man choose? Does anyone out there know the story of the lady or the tiger? I had to read that story in school, and I loved it. I was so engrossed in that story that I was livid <laughs> when there was no ending. I mean, I felt so strongly. I still remember, even today, how angry I was. And even now, if I read a story, no matter how much I love that story, no matter how much I have followed that story from beginning to the end, if there is no resolution, I just can't bear it. So there's no way I'm going to leave my story without an ending. So here's my version of what the man chose. The man spent the rest of his life apologizing to everyone in his town who he had been unkind to. With the silks from the small chest, he clothed the needy. With the jewels, he fed the hungry. He planted a tree every month so that his wife would never again need to brave the cold for firewood. And each day, he spooned a little broth from his soup into a bowl for the little bird who taught him to love his wife and neighbors. 
when the man passed away at the age of 88, his neighbors were astonished that the man who so often seemed bent over in pain stood tall and waved to the sky. Yeah, it's a little saccharine, but hey, I like a happy ending every now and then too. And like I said in a podcast a few days ago, just be kind. It never hurts to be reminded. I mean, I know I need to be reminded that like every day. Tomorrow, we'll bring two stories, one from Japan and one from Australia. They're about things that lurk below the surface of the water, just waiting for you to come by so they can feast. Thank you for listening today. Please like the podcast and I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.